I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There was no shift in momentum. Like, with Everton were done, Everton were toast. They were finished. And Leicester's still got bad, you calling them Everton. <laughs> This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. So I did nothing but cry about Villa's inability to get a draw. I did nothing, <laughs> nothing but pine for a, a dogged nil-nil away win at a tough team. No, it's here. I don't like it so much. I have to say, I'm not not really completely buzzing about it. Not enamoured with it. I think maybe it's in the context of we've only got one point in five games, but maybe this game should be taken more in isolation. Like maybe maybe we should take away what happened before it and just consider this game on its own merits, which is a tough game away to Leicester. Um, but we didn't play that well. I don't think we still got a nil-nil draw, which is. In fairness, what we said that they should be doing, they'd only drawn three times, twice under Gerrard this season in its entirety up until this game. So the fact that they grounded out, maybe not playing well, kept the clean sheet. Is that a good thing? I don't know. I don't really know how I feel after this one game. I just felt like it's an all week. I had to wait two weeks again for this match. Didn't really play that well. And it's only one point added on to the grand total of what is now 37 points. Yeah, I'd say it's an interesting perspective to want to take a single game in isolation across the season. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, of course, the previous four games matter. Of course, how we're playing during the season matters. And this was just this was just the same old shit. I mean, if we we started off with our customary bluster and trademark lack of quality and just bumbled around for the first fifteen minutes, wasting energy. Then Leicester started to turn the screw and dominated the rest of the half without really creating much. To be fair. And the second half was a mirror image, like a fucking cracked mirror, of course, reflecting the 70 years of bad luck we're all subjected to as well. <laughs> so like, where do you think this leaves us now in the overall picture? Because I feel like these last few weeks, and even this draw now, it's going a long way towards cementing what will probably be a, a 14th place finish for us. Like We're level on points with Crystal Palace. We have two games in hand over Southampton, two games in hand over Brentford. I think we might 
we might end up getting ahead of one of those teams. I know you've always said all along, who gives a fuck if you finish 9th for 14th? But I have to say, I really don't like finishing 14th. I have to say, I would rather finish 11th. I miss last year now, and I miss the 55 points tally that we got last year, because right now we still haven't even hit the magic 40 points number, and there's only six games left. It's just, we, we, we said that they were on the beats long ago, and I don't know, it's... It's just not a nice feeling that we just might only end up finishing ahead of Everton, Burnley, and Leeds out of the teams that actually count in the league. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> whenever I say ninth to fourteenth, of course, what I'm actually getting at there is the idea that there's really four or maybe five leagues. There's people who are going to get relegated. There's people like us who don't matter to the fucking league other than fulfill some fixtures for the teams that are doing something. <laughs> and then above that, there's teams challenging for Europe, and above that again, it's Champions League title challengers that's probably actually separated into two itself so we're just in that cluster but yeah i would obviously i'm I'm gonna go back at everything i've said for the last two years finishing 14th sounds fucking shit and the thing the reason i've been thinking about that recently as well is that other people professional footballers (laughs) wouldn't have the clarity of thought to realize that it doesn't really matter that those teams just switch around we're just in that group and if we're trying to sign somebody it's to try and take us out of that group but if you finish ninth, it's probably an easier sell to tell to convince somebody that that doesn't matter. Like you know, so if Hampton and Villa can just switch positions next year, it won't fucking matter. But if you finish ninth, it's easier to say, look, we're knocking on the door of eighth and seventh. We could be in the Europa Conference League. We can get you that away game against Michelin FC. <laughs> I think what annoys everyone though as well is 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 the joy at St James's Park. It looks so much fun to be a Newcastle fan. They've just. They've just powered away up the table. Even Matt Target is putting out posts saying E-I-E-I-E-I-O, up the Premier League we go. I can't stand this. I can't stand seeing us casting aside. Remember we got rid of Albrighton? Like it wasn't good enough for the Villa team. They won the league and we got relegated. <laughs> Matt, Target, Matt Target sitting ninth, sixth place off Wolves, six points ahead of Villa. And it, it, it looks so much better cracking. Newcastle don't have a good team. I know they don't want to see their team. And I see the results. Brighton are picking up against better teams. It's not hard to pick up these results. Well, it is, but if you dig in, do a bit of work. And oh, it's just annoying that we have to go out every week and not do the same, not have the same impact on this league. Can Newcastle have just come out of two years of Steve Bruce as our manager? You remember? We were all singing Ali, Ali, Ali fucking two years ago. <laughs> this is the Bruce effect. This isn't This isn't anything to do with the fact that Matt Target's playing left back again. Him. This is absolutely down to Steve Bruce and the clouds that have been cleared since he left. Yeah, yeah. They've moved away over to West Brom for now. So <laughs> God love them. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about at the top of the show. I can't believe I've written these two words down. Continue slander. <laughs> Unbelievable. Like Continue's getting a bit of grief. People are talking about his lack of effect on games. Steven Gerrard has had to take time out of his Hyundai brand partnership work to comment on Philip Coutinho. <laughs> He's having to step away from his day job and talk about what Coutinho is doing in the Villa team. And in fairness, he's tried to bat it away, but he keeps getting asked, it seems, because I've seen comments pop up in a couple of different places now. Initially, he was like, Coutinho's fine. I don't need to talk about Coutinho at Villa because like, how often have you and I talked in this podcast? Even go back to last week, go back to any of the weeks. I know he hasn't contributed a major now in the last five games who has what have we done the last five games we've gotten one point and continue is not the reason for that like it's it's villa haven't gotten any points 
in spite of Coutinho? How often has he just set up these chumps and they've missed over and over? Or, or he's just broken the thing down when he's been free? He was through today or on Saturday. We're a long way away from that now. He was through and Watkins, like, it's, it's that classic one where I know you'd be happy to see your striker shoot, but Watkins just has to slip him inside and continues through. It's like, Coutinho is grand and I can't believe that we're having... Who the hell do we think we are that we're talking about what is Coutinho doing in the team? What What is this team? <laughs> but it, it's all to do with expectation continues started off so well and it's also to do with the fact that Gerard hasn't figured out how to use his two best players so people are looking at Buendia and pretending that they think that he's better than continue just because he's there the reality is he's just better than he's better than Bailey he can just get into the team that way we don't need to we don't need to shunt out continue but what effect are people expecting Felipe continue to have on this team like what exactly is it what exactly is it that Aston Villa are trying to achieve here? Like we have never gotten the ball from Martinez to Watkins via the back line in midfield. Never. Yeah. Like we pass the ball around to find the space to lump it because we don't want to just lump it. It's absolutely insane <laughs> insane stuff. Like I didn't need to be doing this podcast from Florence. You could have just stitched together some shite from the last two years. And unless you mentioned the player that's been sold, nobody would have noticed because it's the same old shit over and over again. And you know what's funny? I was standing looking up at Michelangelo's David yesterday, listening to our guy tell us that in Michelangelo's depiction of David, he's ignored the fact that he was a boy. He's created this Adonis figure to show to show the hero that he is, the courage that he has, but also the fact that with the power of the human mind, he was able to beat Goliath. He represented man through his intellect with just one good idea. He became a man. And it's funny because with Steven Gerrard, one idea of how to play football, he's just revealed himself to be a fucking child. He, he changed the formation and one player and he expected different performance levels and different results. It's the definition of fucking madness, or certainly causing madness in me anyway. But the weirdest thing is, this predates Gerrard. The whole club is contaminated. Like, this is Arsenal levels of infection, of yeah. fucking ooze and pus. It's, it's, it's the good thing we got the draw yesterday, wasn't it, Colin? <laughs> you are definitely the only person who has been looking at a piece of Michelangelo thinking about Aston Villa and Stephen Gerrard's <laughs> tactics <laughs> this is new levels I was about to say boo-hoo you're in Florence but this is new levels of depression that we've reached <laughs> the game threw up one talking point for us you probably don't even remember it let's see if you do the Fafana handball incident Konza, like, I think it's a corner comes in, Konza lays it back and it, it nutmegs Mings in fairness, like it's come at him pretty quickly, but I don't know what Mings, Mings is facing Konza, knowing Konza's going to head it back in, and he seems mm. surprised that he does do that, he comes at him fast, he lets it go under his legs, comes out to Bailey, has a shot, he shoots into the body, he's like, what are you doing, you can see that there's nine blue shirts in your oh. You'd prefer him to shoot over the bar? <laughs> <laughs> aim, aim for his customary 15 yards over the bar position. That would have been the ideal option there. Yeah. Well, he keeps this one low and Fafana dives back and he blocks it as the ball. Like, the ball's gone past him. It's beyond his body. And But I don't, I don't care about natural arm position. That, like, that's not a natural arm position for one, but you just not need to be there. You can't dive down and stop the ball with your hand and say, well, I was on my way down there anyway. It's like, because you dived down with your hand. Like, your hand does not need to be there. The ball's past you. Accept it. Maybe it was a handball. I don't know. Who cares about a missed anyway? <laughs> well, like, yeah. I mean, normally whenever I'm falling to the ground, I like to have my hands out, Connor. We can't all just take the ground to the back like a champ like you do. <laughs> I don't think there's anything particularly peculiar about where his hand was. No, do you not, do you not remember? Uh, maybe I actually do fall like that now. Maybe this is a subconscious thing because I came on GAA senior debut. And I, 
Honestly, like there was a free kick, somebody got injured and he came off. This is my big debut, 17. Came running on, couldn't believe it. And uh, we're waiting, there's a bit of a delay while this person was getting off the pitch. And it was a free kick and I was like, I, I can't, I wasn't a forward at this stage, but I got brought under forwards. I think we were hammering the team well. And it was like, here, just, just you go and get your debut there. And I was like, I'm going to win, I'm going to win this ball first. I'm gonna, I, can, I can see the space, I was waiting for the free to be taken. And I went charging after it. Eventually, it got taken, and the ball bounced over my head. Not my fault. It was just a bad bounce. And uh, <laughs> I turned around to run after it. Fell, arm down behind me, broke my arm, snapped it in two places. <laughs> twenty seconds on the not even twenty seconds. I was on the pitch twenty seconds, waiting for the free to be taken. But it was a total of five seconds of action. And then the fans started giving me abuse because they said I was pretending to be injured. They were saying I was doing a Richarlison on it as my arm was like literally one side of the arm was at the other side. And uh, I went walking off in a huff. Somebody said to me, what's wrong with you? He's like, I broke my fucking arm. <laughs> as I got to the sideline, somebody said, you don't look well. And I just fainted and woke up with my legs and pumped into me. So if I have learned since then to fall before you put my arm out, surely a Premier League footballer can do the same. Yeah, I mean, you're allowed to handle the ball in GA as well. <laughs> so maybe stop dropping like that when you're playing GA. <laughs> anyway, we'll go to WhatsApp when just... Unnecessary corners count. <laughs> one. So one week's wages in total being handed out. Tyro Mings, come forward and give me your wages. <laughs> uh he blamed Martinez for not coming out for this ball that was going in behind us. It's classic Mings. It's just, just dallying on the ball. Do you know what, though? I prefer him just to kick it out for a corner than <laughs> do what he does, which is normally just stand over it and, and wait for somebody to take it off him. But, you know, he blamed Martinez when he could have just passed it back to him anyway. But also, Martinez should never have been coming out. It was Tyrone Mings' ball. It would have been far too far. It would have been madness for Martinez to come out that far with a player so close to Tyrone Mings. He also could have just cleared it with his right foot, like this is, you imagine his position, left centre back, he's facing the byline like he always is, <laughs> and the ball is coming across him, and he can just clear it away with his right foot into the pitch, he can clear it out for a throw on his left, it's not that difficult, he's not under that much pressure, or he can just pass it back to his keeper, who's in acres of space, and who we were passing back to all day anyway, you'd think that they'd be, you know, they'd be well able to do this, this day, this is the thing about Villa as well, like, for a team, who spends so much time passing it back, you know, defenders and midfielders, or every one of them doing it uh, on Saturday. You'd think they'd be better at it. Like, th- this is all they seem to do. The amount of effort they put in to passing those balls back, and they still sell each other short every single time. And once again, I'm asking, what is the point of all this passing anyway? Because we're just, we're never ever working it out from the back. Remember when Dean Smith came in first in the championship? It was like, Jesus, look, the boys are keeping the ball. And look, we're through. Like, we're, we're breaking down the wing now. That was great. That That's the beauty of holding the ball. But Villa are just holding the ball for an extra five seconds so somebody can clear it in a in a worse position. This is not new territory. It's old content that we're talking about again. But um, this is all sparked off just by Mings hitting out for a corner that he doesn't need to. Yeah, I mean, we're a long way away from Dean Smith taking over and just realising if you play John McGinn, Jack Grealish and Conor Hurahan in centre midfield, you'll dominate most games in the championship. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Mings, like you, you summed it up there. Like he's wrong to expect Martinez to come. He's wrong to not play it back to Martinez of his right foot when he doesn't come. And he's wrong to kick it out for a corner. <laughs> like luckily enough, we got all three of Tyrone's customary mistakes in one go, and none of them were catastrophic. <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know about counts as a WhatsApp winch, but uh, the next WhatsApp winch. Did Bailey not used to be fast? 
what, what is going on here? Like the very first ball, continue. Like, there, there we go again. Continue. Lovely ball over the top, down the right. Bailey's away. And it's like, hurry the fuck up. What are you doing? Just jogging into the ball. There's a lot of that game. He just, I don't know if he is just slow now. I don't know. I don't know what sort of injury that that's completely taken away speed in a few weeks. Um, or is he just not bothered? There was another one. Watkins. Uh, do you remember Watkins' left footed shot? He, anyway, he's right to take on the defender. And I don't know, sometimes Watkins does this. I thought Watkins was really good, actually, on Saturday. But the ball bobbles up when he's dribbling with it. I don't know. It seems to dribble it into the ground sometimes. And it just bobbles up. And then he, he gets a shit connection with his left foot. And it goes across the nets. And it's still in play. It's still in play. And Bailey's like, oh, I'm not, it's not, it's not going to go. I'll have to half-heartedly make my way over here. And, of course, he doesn't get there in time. Because he's too slow to react. And he's lazy. And he's slow, it turns out. He's slow. Yeah, and there was another one as well that uh, Coutinho didn't play the more aggressive pass through to Watkins because there was loads of space for Bailey and he plays it out to Bailey, rolls it along the ground to him and Bailey just has to run at a mad angle to get onto it, way out to the right wing. And I think Castagna just comes back and runs ahead of him and takes the ball back and gives it back to Peter Schmeichel's son. It was unbelievable how slow he appeared to be. And that one that Watkins scuffs across the box. Yeah, Bailey doesn't react to go out to him. Why the fuck's he not in there? Yeah. Why is he not in the back post? He said the forwards got the ball to the back post. Get into the other back post. That's your fucking job. You're a right winger, apparently. And this is the really annoying thing here is I wanted to see Gerard change the formation. And he did it. He changed the formation I wanted to see his try. Not exactly the fucking personnel, was it? Your own, <laughs> your very own Kareem Benzema on the right wing. Unfortunately, it's only his penchant for extortion that's similar. And the fucking subplot to all this is that we know at this stage we have to believe that Buendia is involved somehow. The fucking photos that Bailey has, his hands-on show Buendia doing something that Gerard doesn't want to be looking at. And the annoying thing is, Bailey's completely disinterested in Buendia. That's that's just collateral damage. The rest of us have to fucking suck up. Bailey's only demanding that he plays, but the photos are such that is also being punished, and so are we. It's a fucking nightmare scenario. <laughs> Phil on Twitter sent us a message saying, can you boys try and find out if Buendia has slept with Gerard's wife? <laughs> it's just just like you, you reckon that Bailey has someone on him. Like, obviously, Gerard has someone on Buendia. Because I'm looking at this. Like we can, we'll talk a bit more about tactics later. But what is Bailey doing that Buendia can't do? Like, that, that should always be the question. Like, sometimes I wonder, okay, you know, does he want... Does he want Bailey to stretch the pitch? But like we've just discussed that he's not fast anymore, <laughs> and he's not erst. And does he does he get up and support Watkins better? We just discussed he doesn't do that. So can Buendia? I know Buendia is not, you know, ideal for the right hand side. I know he's not ideal to play if you want if you want to drop Coutinho into that hole and have two boys going off him. I know Buendia is not ideal for that. But neither is Bailey. Surely Buendia can do what Bailey's doing, which is very fucking little, and do way more and do way more. Just say to him, look, sorry. I know you want to drop deep. You're not going to do it. If this is the only way Gerard can see of getting him in, bringing Buendia into this front three. Like I, we've talked before about him playing in the middle three. I think he could do that too. But like, why not just play him, him and continue rotating between sides or between Joyner and Watkins up top? Because I have to say, whatever Bailey's doing, it it is nothing. <laughs> it's it's not it's not anything nobody else can do. I miss Danny Ings. <laughs> Yeah, like, like Wendy's natural instincts won't be to stay out in the right wing, but fucking tell him to. Let's yeah, see exactly. if he can. Give it a go. Like we're not losing any. We're currently playing with ten players. So let's <laughs> see. Let's see if we're going to be playing with eleven players, one slightly out of position. This is what I always said about 
Glenn Whelan because people say, well, Glenn Whelan's always there. It's like, yeah, he's there because, like, yeah, he's disciplined. Like, he will always be there. But tell somebody better with better attributes to stay there. Like, I was saying, if you put James McLean into that position, he probably gets sent off. Maybe it's not a great, <laughs> maybe it's not a great example. But if you put him in there, he's faster, he's more aggressive, he's a better tackler, etc. You said to him, if you fucking leave that defensive midfield hole, I am taking you off this match. Like, you're, you're not playing. If you leave there, you're out. So to put him there and tell him that, and the same with Buendia. Like, you would get a better player in the same position, and if he doesn't play there, take him out. I told you that's the position, and he'll soon learn. Yeah, but like that's the, it, it's not even like, like... You need to have a bit of noise to play centre midfield, to play in defensive midfield particularly. You have to understand where people might try to play. Like, you don't have to do any of that in right wing. Just fucking stand on the right wing and go past the player. Bit of clever movement, which Buendia has anyway. You're just going to have to do it out in the right wing. It's, it's, it's insane that he hasn't tried it yet. Because he's played there as well. He's played a lot of his career on the wing. Next WhatsApp winch. The Villa attackers can't see the high balls in the sun, but every <laughs> single rest of the defenders just coming out and heading to clear. Like, it's <laughs> facing, facing the same direction. What are you doing? Like, well, why are you all blocking the sun? And I'm just watching Soyuncu coming through and nod it. <laughs> why can he see the ball and you can't? Yeah, he's got the fucking shadow of the ball in his eyes because he's going straight for it. Like, what the fuck were the rest of them at? It was insane. And initially I thought it was Watkins. And it took me a second. I was like, oh shit, that's that's crap. Like, you know, maybe he should put on a cap or something. So, Hang on a second. The fuck is he on? you just throwing him out of the way for? <laughs> and then the last WhatsApp one is the most serious of them all. <laughs> These Lester clappers are the worst thing that I've ever experienced since we started saying something is the worst thing that we've ever experienced. <laughs> These clappers in the stadium, like, can they not generate their own sound? Have you heard, just a, I miss the bloody Vuvuzelas from South Africa in 2010. <laughs> just a constant hum of... <laughs> just clap your hand if you really want to make that sound. Just clap it. Like, can they not do... Can they not be fucking bothered to do that? Can they not sing? Can they not shout? Like, what, what is happening here? It's just such an artificial experience. It's actually a bit embarrassing. If I was a proper Leicester fan, I'd be like, ah, lads, put that stuff away. Get the Vuvuzelas. They make, they make a better sound. They make a better atmosphere. But just that humdrum back noise of that over and over was... Uh, it was a really weird sense. Like, we've spoken before about the year Villa got relegated the year yeah. that... that uh, Leicester won the league and the atmosphere there that day like that was yeah. unbelievable it's nothing like that anymore because everybody's just clapping whatever these clappers are that they hand out yeah it's, it sounded like there was such a din back in back in those days back in those days six years ago it, <laughs> it sounded like they were stamping their feet or something it sounded like the whole stadium was rattling and that worked that attitude but maybe they're not going to clap because they, they don't want to embarrass their manager maybe they have to use these fake implements because they don't want to show their manager that it is actually possible to move both <laughs> hands towards each other <laughs> What a brilliant callback to Brendan Rodgers' <laughs> inability to clap. I wish I remember what episode that was. I'm sure it was the last Leicester episode. But uh, yeah, if anybody hasn't noticed this before, Brendan Rodgers can't clap properly. So we just keep an eye out for it next time. But uh turns out the entirety of Leicester City Football Club can't clap properly. So we'll leave that there and we'll get into the awards after this. How many goals would Villa have conceded with Nyland in goals tonight? <laughs> well, Conor Horan would score an OG. Correct. <laughs> has El Ghazi ever fucking controlled the ball first time? Only whenever he's hitting the ball first time 40 yards over the crossbar. 
No, 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 Liam, Liam. We've had this discussion before about people like Ronaldo, where like, you, don't, you don't take them off because they can do something like that. You were comparing Ross Barkley to Danny Drinkwater four weeks ago, <laughs> and now you're comparing him to Cristiano Ronaldo. Such a strange decision. A decision that was grounded in months of evidence that Ross Barkley is afraid of running, afraid of tackling, afraid of the football for fuck's sake. I was just trying to make an innuendo there about John Terry. Yeah, I don't think we dragged the shoe into that. <laughs> if by the end of this podcast I say that Matt Target had a bad game tonight, then I'll apologise for that. <laughs> but every time I've said Matt Target was shite, he was shite. Like, you know, this is the type of shit to get people talking whenever you're trying to watch a football match with them. People can't be trusted to have the correct opinion, so I just avoid them. The camera caught them, and she goes, He does look like a cabbage, actually! <laughs> <laughs> Oh! <laughs> it's a fucking disgusting tackle. Get off the pitch and don't speak to your children for a week. <laughs> you got Burnley Player of the Year. Think how low that bar is. You got Burnley Player of the Year because he did exactly what was asked of him. Put his head down and hit the ball high. Like that. That's how you get Burnley Player of the Year. That is not an achievement. He's winning this category, fuck that. <laughs> he was covering for Jack Grealish and Ross Barkley like you would not believe in the last 15 minutes of that. He was left back a few times. Unbelievable. That's our centre forward and that's not an instruction. That's just him seeing that Jack Grealish is brain dead in defence and thinking, oh, for f- I'm not losing this fucking game that I've tried so hard to win. I'll get back, you lazy little prick. <laughs> Well, the good news, like, well, it's not even good news because it's a double game week. Like, you would think, well, Barkley won't, like, one of your bench players will now come in, but Barkley will play someone against Sheffield United. So, the, like, the good news, you're falling into the trap of thinking that anyone gives a flying fuck about your fantasy football team. <laughs> Hit the fucking ball. I don't care what foot it's on. If I did that, I would sub myself off. <laughs> I mean, he had the same chance six oh. times. The same fucking chance. You think just even by a fluke, he would he would hit, hit the ball better this time? He finally came out and addressed those Cristiano comparisons. <laughs> How do you feel about being called the next Cristiano Ronaldo? And he said, I'm the only Amar Al-Ghazi. Mings was going out of his way to make Joel Dutton look like fat Ronaldo before he was fat. <laughs> when what he actually is is a fat Wesley. <laughs> He's my favourite ever player to watch. I'd watch Villa if I didn't support them. In the same way I used to watch Real Madrid games to watch Zidane or Barca games to watch Ronaldinho. Yeah. And now he's gone. The future is bleak. But what I didn't need, Conan, was you harassing me since Friday with <laughs> fucking tweets 
from in the know fantasy fucking football managers. <laughs> Why do you keep bringing up Gareth Southgate? <laughs> Gareth Southgate is a fucking prick. Remember how excited I was 36 games ago and, you know, how easily you won me over by saying, oh, it'll be good crack, we'll do a podcast. You're <laughs> such a fucking cunt. Let's start with the Rossenthal Award. Ollie Watkins in behind from that Fafana mistake. I'm saying that the Leicester players were getting up and heading the ball. I don't know what he was doing there. Maybe there's some... <laughs> I think he's just... Yeah, he's got caught in two minds there, but Watkins is the perfect person to punish him. He's so fast, he's so strong, he's got his eyes up perfectly tees it up for the wrong man Leon Bailey comes in six yard out absolutely balloons it over the bar does what he does best yeah it's it's unbelievable from Watkins and unfortunately all too believable from Bailey his <laughs> his movement is atrocious as well yeah and that really adds to how well Watkins does to get the ball out to Bailey who has just made a shit run but decides to stick with it he doubles down it's like he's backed Everton to stay up and then when they appoint at Lampard, he's fucked another grand on top of his original bet. <laughs> You're in a shit position here. Pull out, go to a different position. Don't just stand eight yards out at the corner of the box. It was amazing that Watkins dug it out to him. And then Bailey, in fairness, sets up Coutinho. Lovely chip into the six-yard box. I mean, it wasn't that lovely, but it was a nice, a nice ball. It should have been a goal. A mishit from Coutinho, in fairness to Bailey. He should be coming away. With an assist, if we're talking about all those chances that are missed when Coutinho sets it up, there was one major that Bailey should have contributed to. Yeah, like if Phil wants two hundred grand a week to kick a football around the field, he'd want to start showing he can kick a football <laughs> rather than let it hit a standing leg. It was fucking dreadful. And maybe that was the only moment all those Coutinho outers could remember. And it's a big fucking moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tyrone Mings, free header, six yards out, decides to shoulder it over the bar instead. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next free hitter he gets, he decides, I'm going to try and tee this up for somebody behind me. What are you doing? Like he's, he's got a free header. I know he's gotten a bit ahead of the ball, but get your, like we've seen Tyrone Mings use his neck muscles before. Get your head back around that ball. He's just decided, I'm going to float this up for the edge of the box. Nobody knows what I'm doing here, but like, it's going to be fucking brilliant. Um, yeah, too, like the first one was definitely the worst. Yeah, the first one's dreadful. I mean, I, we've seen Mings head the ball from his own box to the fucking halfway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then when the second one turns out he can only fucking head the ball when he does have his back to goal. It's so annoying. The game's four or five yards out. Big tie. Like, it's exactly what you want to happen. When was the last time Tyrone Mings scored? Fucking size of that cunt. Yeah. Just walking under. You see, you cannot miss Tyrone Mings in a football pitch. And every time there's a corner, he's the first person I look for, for some fucking reason. Because I can't remember the last time he scored. It's the Rio Ferdinand effect. Like you see him coming up and think, oh, look at the, look at the presence of him. <laughs> you forget that he never scores. And Mings uh, scored against Brighton in Jared's first game, but that was a right-footed half-volley. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want the ball in, in his head. Like He wants to just absolutely rifle it home. Um, he doesn't want it in his head unless he's six yards out from his own box. <laughs> yeah. The only other nomination, not not a Rossendale nomination, good effort, but the year wraps his foot around it. I think it was 86 minutes, just wide. I thought it had gone in as well. It was one of those ones where the, yeah. the ball hits a stanchion behind, sort of rolls yeah. in where the net would be. It's like, oh, I thought that was in, but uh, nice effort, just wide. Yeah, and Peter Schmeichelson's fringing himself across the goals as well, <laughs> so you actually think that it is that it is causing a real bit of danger. And it's, like, yeah, it was a lovely bit of play from a lovely little footballer, but you just shouldn't have shagged Jared's misses. <laughs> Three big 
big chances there, in fairness. Um, what, Bailey, Coutinho, Mings, it's a tough decision, but I think I have to go for Bailey. It's, it's sad up for his left foot, six yards out. Like the, They're all massive. Like The Coutinho one's huge, the Mings one's huge, but that's like the, the Coutinho has to volley it, Mings has to header it in a crowded corner box. Um, Bailey just has to kick the ball in when it's put for him, when he doesn't even bother running. It's still set up for him, and uh, he misses. Yes, I think it's a tight one. I mean, because the other two lads don't even bother connect. At least, at least Leon Bailey connects with a boy. Oh, he connects with anything, right. <laughs> Um. So, what do you think? You're you're going with Coutinho then? I think I'm going with Coutinho. Like he's fucking three yards. Right? Yeah. You like Glenn Whelan taking a 90th minute penalty award? I mean, this like this does show you. It's like I'm using my own notes as the the proof that everybody needs <laughs> the, the nomination i have here is Coutinho coming off after seven eight minutes and it's straight after he's just beating someone to the ball in his own half and he powers past him he drives forward and he cuts back and he puts bailey away i think that's the one you're talking about and then he does what Coutinho does he gets back into the box as well for the walkings cross and like it didn't look like he was zapping an energy there he's just done a box-to-box run he's just set up another chance and it's just taken off straight after the straight after the ball goes out of play. Coutinho's out, and it's like, can we wait the tires at least? It just seems like we assume that he's done. And like maybe we're looking at stats on the side, but and maybe that's good for for a full season or whatever else. But we might only have him for six more games, and you know sometimes players can do stuff when they are tired as well. Sometimes Coutinho, <laughs> you know, Coutinho at seventy percent is still going to give you more than Bailey at ninety percent. I guarantee you that. <laughs> Sometimes Coutinho can do things when he's tired that Leon Bailey just can't do no matter how fit he is. <laughs> like, yeah, it's insane because he just absolutely burst out to the left back position as well to to cover to cover a player. I mean, he didn't actually get there in the end; it was just pass past him. But like, you know, he didn't look like he was winning at all. You're absolutely right, and you're absolutely right. Philip Coutinho has to stay on the pitch when it's nil all. Yeah. It's insane that you would take him off. And then the next nomination we're revisiting this, but the time wasting at the end, like. They're... This is oh. when, when Villa got on top. Like what? Unbelievable. I could have understood if we were playing the way we were playing for most of the match, but we finally were on top. Leicester were hanging on. Villa were the better team. And, like, you know, I don't know, like, Young taking a throw-in for ages. We brought on the camber for JJ just to waste time, eat into it. And, of course, of course, the referee, like, there you go, there's another example. Like, this is Aston Villa fans now. When we benefit, apparently, because we, we want the time to be up. <laughs> but the whistle was blowing up on 97 minutes or seven minutes, I don't know, blowing up exactly on seven minutes, even though we made a sub in that as well, even though we dicked around, people pretend to be injured, Young not taking a throw. What are we doing? Like, what, did we not know. smell blood then? Like, were we that happy with a nil-nil draw? Like, nil-nil draw away to Leicester. Like, it's it's not like we're waiting Man City. It's it's a it's a decent draw, but you still go for the game, do you not? And you take the draw if if you don't win. Like, that, that's I thought was the point. And especially when you're on top, I couldn't believe that tactic. Yeah, there was no shift in momentum. Like, Everton were done, Everton were toast, they were finished. Leicester's, they're not bad, you call them Everton. (laughs) (laughs) My next point was going to be, during the Everton-Leicester game (laughs) last week, Leicester did the same thing. They they were done at the end of the game, and Everton just came into it. They had 10 minutes of pressure at the end, and then Richardson kicked one off his standing foot, screaming in past Peter Schmeichel's son. And we were getting into that position as well. Like, we were... We were starting to control the game. It was the first bit of decent play that we were having. And you could see John McGinn was getting involved. John McGinn brought himself out of retirement in the last 10 minutes. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it's great to see him back out there. And for some reason, Ashley Young just takes it in his own hands to to give Leicester exactly what they needed. Just respite. 
there was like, like I said, there was no shift in momentum other than us changing it ourselves. Yeah, the Ashley Westwood, he was playing award obviously goes to John McGinn, right? I don't know if there's a competitor as strong as him on Saturday. Like, yeah, I don't know what he did on Saturday. He went completely under the radar. Cup one bad pass back, which we'll talk about in the what the fuck award. But apart from that, it's just it's just not the McGinn that people on Twitter seem to think he is. Like, I'm not, I don't mean Villa fans anymore because like we we love McGinn when he's at his best. But I mean people outside of Villa who seem to think that John McGinn is Villa's best player, but they're not watching Villa games every every day. Yeah, there there was fifty or sixty minutes. He was entirely anonymous apart from that one cock up and. He did get into it then towards the end where he was running around. He was involved in the play. He was pissing off Drewsbury Hall. But like, yeah, what was he? Like he, he didn't exactly have any quality when he did get on it. He was just on the camera shot a few times. So it was almost pointless. But yeah, no, he was he was anonymous. And maybe we're too harsh on him as well because, because of the name that he has. Maybe whenever he isn't involved in a game. It seems more stark. A hundred percent. Like we just, we just want more from them. Like that's like you know, I, I can see the, uh, the stats are great as well. But I can see it in my own eyes. The amount of tackles that he puts in in most games and the the, the amount of effort that he's putting in. I know he's covering for a lot of people as well. But it's John McGinn. Like he's been our most important player over the last few years, or you know, one of the most important players. And and that ball of energy that he's supposed to be as well. And when he doesn't bring that, it's like, what are you doing? Like that's what your that's what your game is. Let's go. Yeah, I, I don't really know what it is he has to do to be taken out of the firing line. So, like, it's, it's, like, John McGinn is undroppable for some reason and has been. Like, when was the last time John McGinn was rested? And it's not like Villa are exactly lacking in numbers for the number eight position either. There's, there's a lot of players who could fill in for him if needed. Yeah. It's, it's just it's strange. It's, it's one of the most confusing things of a very confusing season that John McGinn can't just be rested from game to game. Well, it might come to pass soon because the. Uh... We played two number 10s and bamboozled them award. I have Tim Erugbenham coming on. Of course you do. Um, brilliant introduction. Thought he was really good. And <laughs> In fairness, I thought this could have been a nomination on the other side because why did he not come on earlier? <laughs> and did he only come on because Dougie got a yellow card? But with him looking good, Gerard saying afterwards that he's ready. He said they, they think he's ready now and he's going to be an important player for us. Um, Nakamba's back. He came on the pitch as well. Good to see him back. So you have a couple of number sixes there that look better than any number six that we've tried so far. Um, you know that that there's another option though. Number eight, obviously, Morgan Sanson just doesn't want to play football anymore. So he's sort of out of the equation. He wasn't on the bench again. He was injured for the Leicester match. But Douglas Ruiz back in the number eight frame. Maybe one day, might someday ever get there. Um, but yeah. Anyway, to, not to take away from Eric Bunham, but. His introduction is a nomination for the Tim Sherwood Award. He was at, he was absolutely he was easily our best player yesterday. <laughs> the ten minutes that he had, he was he was incredible. I think the first thing he did was play the ball around the corner, just received it, played it around the corner, forward aggressive pass, which which kind of shifted the momentum in our favor. And I actually think that Villa's good play started when after he came on. Next thing he did was one with a header, put in a couple of strong tackles, played a couple of lovely passes. He looks like a top top player. I'm really surprised that he's that he's is apparently only now ready. Yeah, in. that's it. Like that, he made his debut. Yeah. What is it? Six weeks ago. Yeah, it's, it's insane that he's been held back this long. And sometimes it it, it it's a forced introduction that, that makes people see that. Like obviously he was the same player uh, two weeks ago than he is now. You know he's not improved that much in the last two weeks. He could have played two weeks ago, but you know Douglas Ruiz getting that yellow. Let's throw this boy in. The canvas still not ready for twenty minutes as it turned out, but um. Yeah, we called him 
Tim get the food in rugby like when he came on six weeks ago and that's what he does and he's, he's sort of in that mold like that that physical makeup like Declan Rice just takes up a lot of space like it looks easy for him to to cover ground and and you mentioned the headers that he won and he, when he gets the ball then he's striding forward again yeah no it was really good to see him I would like to see more of him especially we're just going to fart around to come 14 for the rest of the season like why not just put this boy in um, well, exactly and that's what we were calling for as well it's because Villa's midfielders were the big big problems for as well yeah. as everybody knows the game just drifted by us because we had no midfielders so it is really really mad that he hasn't tried him up until now let's see we need to spend 50 million on Pesuma or is this guy as good as him yeah and you called him get the foot in like get the foot on it as well because he, he's got a lot of calmness on the ball he's, he's willing to take it in tight spaces and pop it off he seems like a very, very clever footballer as well. Like he's, like he, he couldn't have impressed me more in his forty minutes that he's played for Villa. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then the only other nomination for the you like or sorry, the Tim Sherwood we played two number tens and bamboozled them award is the the long ball to Watkins at the end. Like you know, just the last fifteen minutes. That was the reason we got on top. Leicester were tiring. You said they were tiring against Everton as well. They've had. Was it four games they played since Villa had played any matches? So they've had a long, long stint of it, like going uh, twice a week. Sionsu started panicking. There was a lot of space being left up there, and we know Watkins just doesn't tire. Like, whatever you ever want to say about Watkins, he doesn't ever seem to dip in his conditioning. Like, it's it's always at the same level over and over. He's a freak of nature. And uh, he just won all those balls down the line, the balls in his chest, and just brought Villa up the pitch and forced him to to actually get on top of Leicester until, I don't know, was it a tactic from the sideline, but then Ashley Young forced Villa to step off Leicester then and not stay on top of them, but just wasting time. <laughs> but this is the thing about Ollie Watkins, if there is space up there and it doesn't matter what type of ball then that's played to him, he'll win it. If you play it on the channel, he'll win it. If you play it on his feet, his chest, his head, he'll win it. He, w- he can win every type of ball so long as there's enough space, so long as not just aimlessly floating balls yeah. in the general direction of the forward line with four defenders back there. If it's Watkins and Sionji, play it to Watkins every fucking day of the week. Get it up to him and get in and around him as well. The Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. Emmy Merton is dropping a ball from a corner and then almost tripping over it. Uh, I still picked it up. Like, Jesus, don't want to see that. And then uh, I mentioned this already. John McGinn to Daka. It's first time. He's got his back to the pick. Why do we search? Like, I thought the first thing midfielders learn is turning on the ball. Like we, we praise and continue for that, but it should be the first thing everybody does when they get the ball. Turn and see what's happening behind you. And John McGinn's got his back to the pitch. He's hitting the first time. He's panicking again. And he just puts through Daka. I was like, what are you thinking? Like, that was definitely the worst. And there's, I think there's one more nomination or two more nominations, but it'll be a surprise if McGinn gets beat. Yeah, I mean, to be fair to our centre midfielder, he's just received the ball in centre midfield, so he's naturally panicked. It's unbelievable stuff. You're saying turn when you get them. Well, have a look around you beforehand. There's no one that close to you, John. Yeah. It's grand. This is the one time I wouldn't have minded him trying to absorb another human into his anus or <laughs> trap them in the gravity of his arse. He just popped it off, and he hasn't even looked at that. He's facing that way, yeah. and he hasn't even looked. Like, I don't know how he hasn't seen that. And he's completely cocked up the connection with the ball anyway. It was a bad ball back to and it was terribly executed. Dreadful stuff. <laughs> Honestly, once a game, we're saying bad decision, bad connection. Not, not just with McGinn, but all these players here. And it's always that ball from from right to left as we're playing up the pitch. Like It's, it's always coming from right midfield over to the left. And yeah, it's, it's either to their left back or to their left centre back. And it's never making it to them. And it's always a bad decision anyway if it does make it to them. Uh, Jacob Ramsey found Leon Bailey in the box. Like, a nice pass. Ramsey goes bursting down the left, gets a bit of space. 
does it Watkins does, tees up Bailey. Bailey just plants himself and decides to stretch for it and poke the ball away. Just poke it away. <laughs> get the foot in, get it away. And then Ezri Konza drops the shoulder, beats the man. Stops absolutely dead. Like beats the man. He puts he puts Lukeman on the ground. He literally puts him on the ground. And then just stops. He just and I don't know what he's doing. He's standing over the ball and Lukeman gets up off the ground, turns around, runs back, and takes it off him. And it was I think it was a good young tackle then at the end that they were looking at oh, was that a potential penalty? But it was a good tackle and but Jesus Christ, Akans has done the work. He's 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 beating the man and, and he, I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah, he just stops in the middle of the pitch. I mean, at least have a look, man. See what's going on around you. <laughs> <laughs> the strangest thing is, he's kind of touching him as well. He's got his hands out. He can feel Lookman coming, surely to God. And he just, just keeps, continues to stand on the ball. I thought there was a lot of the game where Kanza, like, I thought he was, he gave the impression of someone that wanted to look composed rather than someone who was. And, he, and he's been doing that a lot recently where it's, He's slowing the game down needlessly, I think, to try and seem like he's not bothered. A bit of the old Tyrone Mings from two years ago coming into his game. It's like, get the ball moving as well. I mean, it's still nil all. We're on the halfway line. We've got players in front of you. We've got our, we've got Tyrone Mings. You love passing out to Tyrone Mings. Just roll the ball to him. Let's get this ball, let's get this ball moving so we can lump it up the pitch again. Yeah. Yeah, that was bad. But uh, John McGinn is the winner of the What The Fuck Award this week. The Vimeometer. I had actually young going up. Um, a lovely clearance uh, that Dewsbury Hall ball that was going into James Justin brilliant mm. interception from Ashley Young and like, when I saw him wasting her time <laughs> slowing the clock down then I saw him having a shot from 30 yards I don't know I think I still haven't gone up because he, he, he took a lot of punishment as well an actual punishment I know he, he can sometimes uh, overreact to contact but or non-contact as well but he was actually taking a few beatings I thought he was going to come off a few times and uh, he stayed on the pitch and he he got on with it. Maybe, maybe he just about goes up. I was thinking during the game that yeah, he was having an absolutely, he was having a brilliant game, and then when it's one o'clock in the morning and you're watching deferred coverage of a game in Florence, <laughs> and you're dominating the game, and then one player decides to take it into his own hands to stop that domination and to give the other team a bit of momentum, causing yourself havoc. You, you'd be amazed how quickly it is you'll go off that person. <laughs> <laughs> so why is the young going down then? He's going down. He's plummeting down. As far as I'm concerned. I know. I'm talking about the the Ashley Westwood award there. And fairness to begin, like, what did Matt Cash do in this match? Yeah, it's a strange one actually. Yeah, Matt Cash is very, very quiet. To be fair, and Everton were pretty good down the left wing as well. Yeah. <laughs> or sorry, fucking Everton Leicester. <laughs> Leicester. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember Cash at all now that I'm thinking about it. Like I just don't like he's a victim of his own high standards as well. But uh no, this wouldn't even be high standards pointing out the fact that he didn't get involved at all in this match. He's been a player of the season, but anonymous on Saturday. Yeah, and there should have been a lot of space in there as well, because Stanya likes to go forward. Drewsbury Hall wasn't tracking back, Madison was over there, they were all pushing up as well. So maybe he was pushed back, maybe he's doing a lot more defensive work, but I don't, yeah. don't particularly remember him doing that either. I remember John McGinn sticking his arse in over there a few times. <laughs> well, Leon yeah. Bailey was on the right, so maybe he just tucked in and thought it's going to be a long day. Actually, it's almost certainly it. Uh, I'll have to watch it back, I'll watch it back whenever <laughs> I make it down to Puglia. <laughs> uh, going, going up, Mings, Watkins. Uh, Erugbenham, Nakamba because he's back. Um, I think that's about it, really. Anybody else going up for you? No, I think they, I think they were definitely the strongest players on the pitch. 
it was a it was a fairly haphazard performance, and those lads were were consistently good during it. Apart from Tyrone Mings's cock up at the start, he was he was strong and he was determined to get the ball moving as quickly as possible. Yeah, the rest uh, of them were fairly fairly tame by their own standards. Going up, Andy Madley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't do it. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe he does deserve to go up. A referee did something that's quite remarkable. He didn't get commented on. Yeah, after okay. game I thought he on a fan podcast. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought like because there was a few, he didn't blow his whistle a few times, and I thought you know he's under a bit of pressure from the home crowd, and they did give a big ironic cheer when he gave a yellow card to somebody, Douglas Louise. But but I, I thought he didn't buckle under that pressure i thought he just let the game go he was pretty consistent yeah he was he did a premier league referee job i thought which is rare <laughs> he called a couple of flops to the ground correctly as well where he just waved them up and one or two of them probably were fouls as well but he just didn't like the exaggerated fall <laughs> so he just played on which is which i really like to see as well i mean it's it's one way to try and warm it out of the game all right let's go to questions we can't answer but probably will who does Jordan Pickford think is? <laughs> <laughs> this boy is nowhere near good enough. Never mind not being near good enough, but he is active. He is active in making cock-ups a lot of the time. It's it's unbelievable that somebody like him and Aaron Ramsdale will include him as well. I saw him jumping in front of Bruno Fernandes as much as everybody would have enjoyed that. It's just like, you're not the player <laughs> to do that. Like, you're, you're not playing good enough. Like Get your own house in order. Jordan Pickford wasting like, I get it they're wasting time Frank Lampard had a master stroke to bring Atletico Madrid tactics to Anfield and like, I watched match today last night <laughs> Everton lost the game they went into the relegation zone and they were all talking about the positivity now for Everton moving forward Like maybe it was good they only lost 2-0 <laughs> but they played for, for 12 minutes because of Richarlison and Jordan Pickford and Pickford's down holding the ball I'm winking to the crowd thinking he's absolutely brilliant. You're not brilliant. We've talked about this enough. You're not. And until you're that good, you can't go on like that. You have to be able to back it up. And I have to wonder, and I think this is, uh, in fairness, like, uh, God love my sister Tara, who's gotten into football now because of this podcast. But she did call it perfectly when she said, what is Gareth Southgate going to do when Pickford gets relegated? <laughs> because we know Gareth Southgate thinks that Premier League players are important that you have to be playing in the Premier League and I don't know who's going to pick up Jordan Pickford um, once they get relegated he's going to be a championship player and he's probably already at that standard so I don't know it's a big decision for the England manager yeah that's one way to look at it I mean the other way to think about it is like you know Jordan Pickford could come could come sprinting off his line 40 yards to slice a ball into the air to give a Ukrainian centre forward an open goal in the quarterfinals of the Euros <laughs> Pickford could dank a pass to a Danish centre forward 30 yards out and five minutes later roll the ball to a Danish centre forward at the age of his own box in the semi-finals of the Euros and we'd all have to pretend that these things didn't happen like England could play with seven defenders and we'd all have to pretend that the comparative solidity in international tournaments is a result of Jordan Pickford and I, to be fair when you pull back and look exclusively at the finishing positions of England in those tournaments Jordan Pickford does work the reality is that we all know that pragmatism works if your fans can put up with it. The other way to look at it is that Southgate's two tournaments, they lost to Belgium, Croatia, Belgium and Italy, the only good teams that they played. Mm. So the good news for Irish fans is that if everything pans out as you'd expect, England will play France in the quarters. And the good news is... <laughs> we haven't looked that fans, far ahead yet. 
<laughs> the good news for England fans is that nothing ever pans out as you'd expect in a tournament. Yeah. Unless that tournament is the fucking Premier League where you can be guaranteed that Aston Villa will be shite. <laughs> uh, uh, I suppose going up in the Lyman meter, Allison for his trolling of Pickford in the 94th minute when he went down and mimicked him with his time wasting. But uh, uh, it's a weird, weird thing about Pickford winking is like, does he think he's being clear? This is fucking. This has been a tactic for time immemorial. Yeah. This is this is this is what goalkeepers do. They catch the ball and they fall over. Emmy Martinez was doing it yesterday when Villa were dominating the game. The goalkeepers just have this habit of catching the ball and falling to the ground. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, he thought he was being so clever. Oh look at me, lads! Look what I'm doing. I'm running down the clock against the best team in Europe. Aren't I a genius? <laughs> And in fairness to Pickford, he's taking it one for like Martinez has been doing it all season, unfortunately for us. But you know, <laughs> Pickford was doing it from the first minute. I've never seen this boy make a save and not, I don't know, maybe it's just a way of himself keeping going, but he's never made a save and not jumped up and started screaming at somebody. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Look what you made me do. Like I had to fucking dive two meters to me right there. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's annoying and one of many annoying habits that he has. Speaking of Emmy Martinez. Did he break Man United at Old Trafford? <laughs> These boys are an absolute shambles. Like they've just never been the same. So like it seems like we're talking about a rot infesting and a club and infection. Like these boys it's it's I I watched the United Liverpool game on Tuesday night and <laughs> you know and there was nothing new in the analysis. Maybe this is like, you know, thankfully people seem to like that stuff. It's the only reason people are still listening to this podcast. Because <laughs> there's nothing new to say. Nothing new to say about Aston Villa, but I was just sitting marveling for an hour after. Everybody's saying the same thing. Everybody complaining about the same thing, thinking, this is brilliant. This is so much fun. <laughs> sitting eating a bowl of cereal and cheese tonight, thinking, this is brilliant. I really hope this never ends. I don't think it ever will, because I think whatever Emmy Martinez did to Bruno Fernandes that day, when he pointed at him and said, it's Ronaldo not hitting this fucking penalty. Like, it's, it's just broken that whole football club so much so. That we got to the stage that United, you know, taking all hammer and they lost, they lost by nine goals at Liverpool over two games this season, and they were mostly because Liverpool took the foot off the gas at Anfield, and this, so this this guy Hannibal comes on and uh, makes a foul. Gary Neville says he's proud of him, and everybody, all United fans, take it and run. They want them to start. They want like Hannibal stats against Liverpool. Was he made one foul? Didn't even make a second foul. Like he just fouled one person, and then. He put on a couple of pressures unsuccessfully as Liverpool passed around him. And then he got a touch in the ball from a bad Harry Maguire pass. And he dallies on it, loses the ball, and Liverpool score. Like, that's what this boy did. And this is the boy they want to start. It's like, this is how far they fall. Like, remember United were all saying we need to find a right-sided player. They got Sancho. And now Hannibal's come in, fouled somebody. And it's like, there's the boy. Like, there's the future. This boy might end up being good. I have no idea about him. Apparently, he's been good on the rage. But he's come on and made a foul, and that's all United fans need to grasp. To. And it really just brings me back to all those months ago when Dean Smith was still in charge of Aston Villa. Like, just what happened to that club? Like, what is going on? It's an absolute mess, and they just don't know what they want anymore. All they want is a teenager to foul somebody. Foul somebody once, and that's it in 10 minutes, yeah. <laughs> and, like, it really is unbelievable. Like, I spoke last week or two weeks ago about the Champions League supposedly being the Holy Grail. So, Never mind playing for their fans. The people have spent a grand on a season ticket. They're flowing around the world to watch them. Never mind all that. They can't even play for themselves. 
for their own sense of integrity, professional spirit, their careers. They sacrificed a season of their careers. I suppose their owners did as well, though. Like, you know, they, they sent out the signal when they decided to appoint a permanent interim manager. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the players, are they are an absolute disgrace. I can see why people were happy that Hannibal was running. Because do you remember Rangnick took over and he tried pressing for about three games? And then he decided, oh, fuck this. Like, he started to remember Martinez pointing at Ronaldo and he just decided his tactics were going to be, Ronaldo, can you score a hat-trick? And like, it's very easy to slag off United and very enjoyable, but I, because United were so bad, I think people forgot to talk about just how fucking lethal Liverpool were as well. Like, United's, United's lazy bastards made it pretty easy for them, but it, it would have been like trying to press a handful of water. Like it, it's futile. It's going to get through. You can't keep Thiago between your fingers, regardless of how hard you squeeze. It, that guy was unbelievable in that game. I don't. He he played so many blind passes. It's incredible. Like he, I think he was looking at Allison every time he played the ball forward, <laughs> and they were ripping through as well. Like he was absolutely drilling the ball. I mean, you've got that front three. You can do that. That's the big big difference as well. You can just absolutely smash a ball along the ground to your friend. Tiago hits the ball sometimes, and I don't know what part of his foot he's used. I don't know how he's done it. The ball seems to be under his foot, and he's just pinged it eighty yards. Yeah, he he, he, love, he seems to love his big toe, but like not not like a I don't know. It's a it's a weird connection that he hits it with sometimes. Like it's absolutely fizzing off his foot, but it's still an instep. So he seems to be just wrapping his big toe literally around it, like as it's as it's caressing the ball and poking it forward. It's it's, it's beautiful stuff that he has going on. Yeah, perfect player and the perfect team just to absolutely show up. That's sure as shitbags that are playing for United at the minute. Yeah, well, welcome aboard, Eric Ten Hag. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> and it's funny, like, you know, because every time we see, the, we saw it with the, the optimism. Remember when Ragnick got appointed and it was like, I can't believe we've made the right decision because A, we've gotten the godfather of pressing, right? Who <laughs> gave up trying to press after three games. And be like what what a what a clever decision we're finally getting a house in order this guy's coming in for six months makes perfect sense does it and then he's going to go upstairs like he's, he's going to go on a on a fact finding mission now and he's going to go upstairs and coach the club after he's coached the team and now it's like well, is this boy even when he want to stay <laughs> he seems like he can't wait to get the fuck out of there um yeah. but nobody gets time like that's the thing like here we are talking about like you know and we've clarified this before we're not saying like change the manager here at aston villa but you want to see progress, like you want, like that's that's a really insulting thing. I saw, I saw our friend Gary Neville reach for the Jurgen Klopp comparison, and uh, you know it took Klopp a few years to win the league, and it's like always oh, progressing, like <laughs> the Europa League final, and they won the Champions League, and like they were losing to Man City, then that's the always getting better from the team that he inherited, from that team, like it was it was night and day, and that was every season it was night and day, it was getting better and better, like. Ten Hag's not going to come in and finish seventh. Imagine a season of United finishing seventh, and everybody saying, "Yeah, yeah, it's a long-term project." That that's forty, fifty games of United being an average side when they've got obviously the the biggest spend in the world, and like that that's not people aren't going to be that patient. Yes, like there probably should be a, a long-term sort of realism that we're not going to be at City and Liverpool's level. But they need to start getting close. To, like that's the thing with Solskjaer. They weren't working their way towards it. They came second last year by default. That was it. They'd already done that under Mourinho a few years before by default. They already won the Europa League when they were back in the Europa League final under Solskjaer. They weren't moving forward. And this guy comes in like I'm. He might be. He might end up being good. He seems like he he knows what he's doing. Although like he's not this young plucky, uh, up and coming manager. Like he's older than Jurgen Klopp. 
he's, he's sorry, he's older than Pep Guardiola. He's just just a year younger than Jurgen Klopp. Like he's he's supposed to be in this mix now as well, and he might end up taking him to that level. But like nobody's going to accept him finishing seventh. He'll probably be out the door yeah. at that stage. Yeah, and you talk about them. He's taken over a club that spent one point two billion on like Jurgen Klopp as well. The spend isn't going to get any fucking smaller. Yeah, <laughs> this lad is going to have to spend a lot of money. He's going to be helped by a lot of players coming to the end of their contracts and stuff. But there's a big turnover of players there. I mean, yeah, he's probably going to have to get rid of them all. And if United are being serious about wanting to get back to the top level, they're going to have to give him five years because he's going to have to churn out some amount of shit to get United back on top. Like. Klopp was given, but you have to progress every year, obviously. But he's going to need that sort of time frame because United are as bad as Liverpool were whenever Klopp took over after Hutchin. Yeah. Well, in fairness to him, Rangnick has helped in a sense that in three years' time, we might look back before Ten Hag. Here was a team that played at Anfield, the last United team, and Phil Jones, the centre midfield. <laughs> Harry <laughs> Maguire is centre defence and people will be like Jesus look what he's done with that look at the team he inherited <laughs> like that's what he had and now it's completely changed so it's a good uh, it's a good before picture he's taken anyway it's like a, you know, one of those, before you go on one of those transformations it's like let's let's take a really shit I'll make my posture shit I'll make the light and shit I'll wear shit clothes <laughs> and I'll take this picture of myself and then when I take the after picture in, I'll pump it up, I'll tense up, I'll put the lighting on up, up above me to get the shadows right. Um, not that I know anything about that. <laughs> Sounded like I knew yeah. that too much about it there, didn't I? Yeah, Paul Pogba lamping off after five minutes is the equivalent of you with your shoulders slumped off of a bit of downlight. <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining us from Italy, Liam. I appreciate it to talk about a nil-nil Aston Villa draw. You have to, like, this is too often now that you're going to watch a game deferred and I'm thinking, I really should just do this guy a favour and tell him not to bother. <laughs> you didn't need to watch this much to talk about this podcast today. Um, and yeah, and often... You didn't need me on it to talk about to talk about the match either. You could have just spliced in the, the, the appropriate footage. <laughs> spliced in. He's a fucking cunt every so often. <laughs> um, no, but that's brilliant. I think you're away for a week, so we might be delayed with... Uh, next weekend's podcast as well but it's only Norway so who really cares <laughs> does it really matter you can all wait an extra day or two I'm sure um, and apart from that I'll let you go enjoy yourself and I'll let you lot go enjoy yourself as well thanks very much for listening again please subscribe if you haven't done so already and please share the podcast on it does help and I really appreciate it I'll uh, chat to you next week all the best Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.